This audio session is taken from the Shofar Bible School first year course. You can register for the full Bible School course by visiting our Shofar online store at www.shofaronlinestore.org. The topic for this session is The God Who Creates. It is part of Module 3, The Creator and the Father. What a tremendous privilege to be able to join you guys today on your journey as um, you journey with the Holy Spirit, with the Word of God, and with the community around you to grow as a, as a Christ follower. You know, the Bible says that uh, bodily exercise has some value, but godliness is profitable unto all things. And I want to commend you for investing your time into just growing as a disciple and growing in your understanding of who God is, growing in your understanding of who you are, and growing in your understanding of, of the world around you. Because we understand as those three things come together, our understanding of God, our understanding of ourselves, our understanding of our world, when the Holy Spirit mixes that together, amazing things happen. Change happens, transformation takes place. And I want you to know that we are praying for you as Bible school students and want to just give you the invitation as well that if you're not around um, a faith community, maybe you're doing this online, uh, or even if you're at a Bible school campus and you've got questions, if you need prayer support, please don't hesitate to contact your local pastor or even let us know here at the support center. Uh, how can we pray for you? How can we support you guys in what you are doing, where you are at? And um, I'm joining you on your journey. And um, thus far, you have taken a look at just the Bible as um, the primary source of witnessing to who God is. Because uh, really, we want to know who God is. I, I believe that you guys have decided to do Bible school, uh, really not so much to find out what man thinks, but really to get to know more about God. And, and as you've journeyed thus far, you have taken a look at the fact that the Bible centers around this one primary source of authority, and that is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, the more we get to know Jesus, the more we get to know God. And, and the Bible right throughout the ages has withstood the test of time as well as the scrutiny of, of many scientific minds. And it is still the most reliable source that God has chosen to reveal himself. And so we approach the Bible really not so much as, as some of you maybe who would be interested to find out who I am and uh, you haven't had the privilege of meeting me in person. Uh, you're welcome to go and um, check me out on Facebook. You'll see a whole lot of uh, Facebook posts there, pictures and, and stuff. And, and, and you will find a lot of stuff that I'm interested in. You'll find some of my passions on there. You'll see a lot of pictures of my family and the church that I'm involved in. Um, but you know what? You will probably in, in all likelihood, get to know about me through Facebook. Um, but it is doubtful whether you will really get to know me. And, and the Bible is different in that, in that way, in that it is not just a bunch of posts about God. It is the revelation of God. And so as we get to know the Bible more, we're not, not just getting to know more about God. We are getting to know God. And so we're excited about the fact that your relationship with God is just going to grow and grow. Um, we furthermore, in this journey, we had looked at some of the, the arguments for the existence of God. We had looked at the qualities of the, uh, the characteristics of, of who God is, what he has revealed to us. And, and then the previous modules, uh, we finished by um, doing a study on the Trinity. The fact, this amazing fact, 
that God is one God, indivisible, and yet at the same time, also three distinct personalities within the Godhead. And what we want to do in the two sessions that I have available with you guys is to take a closer look at God the Father within the Trinity, God the Father. And subsequent modules will have a look at God um, the Son, Jesus Christ, and then God the Holy Spirit as well. So I'm excited to dig into this uh, a little bit deeper for us today. But first, let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for this wonderful opportunity that we have, God, to gather around your word wherever we are today, God, whatever part of the world we might find ourselves in, whatever emotional and spiritual, uh, physical or relational state we might find ourselves. You are there. You are the great I am. And I thank you that today, even God, your word brings forth life even beyond my own words and beyond, God, just the information that we will be imparting, that your word will bring forth life, that it will not return unto you void. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that connects our hearts with one another as we sit around your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me or you can follow on the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6. We're going to have a look at that. And that portion of scripture, it's a beautiful portion of scripture. And, and Paul is writing to his friends in Corinth. Uh, and now of course, Corinth, the believers in Corinth, they mostly came from pagan environments, uh, a polytheistic background where um, serving many gods were at the order of the day. And so you would have a God that you would worship and pray to, to, to bless your, um, your flock, your, your cattle, your crops. You would have a God that would bless your marriage, that would bless your kids. You would pray to that God for fruitfulness. You would pray to another God to bless your career. You would, you would pray to another God to curse your enemies. You would pray to another God to make friends. And so you had all these different gods that you would follow and you would worship and you would try to please in, in order for you to get stuff from them. So nobody had relationships with these gods because they loved them. They had relationships with them because they tried to please them in order to get something from them. And, and Paul is writing to them within the context of just some challenges they were going through. You know, should we eat food that were offered to idols or shouldn't we? And, and what do I do if I, as far as my conscience is concerned, I, I'm okay to eat this food and somebody else might stumble. And Paul says to them, look guys, remember that there are many gods and people worship all sorts of gods, uh, idols basically, and they're not truly alive, they're not really gods. But we, he says in verse 6, but for us as believers, there is one God, the Father, by whom all things were created and for whom we live. And there is one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things were created and through whom we live. And, and here we see that in 1 Corinthians 8, this, this passage, like so many other passages in Scripture, refer to God the Father um, through two descriptive names. Um, first, let me just say that if you look at this, um, at this verse, you will see that uh, we get distinct mention of God the Father. He is the one by whom all things were created. And then we also see distinct mention of the Lord Jesus Christ. So both God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ is mentioned. And both of them are worshipped and both of them are God. But at the same time, you will see that their function is so similar that through God the Father, all things were created, and through the Lord Jesus Christ, all things were created. So again, we see that beautiful interplay in the Trinity. Distinction and yet unity as well. No competition whatsoever. So, so remember that when you think of the Trinity. But for our purposes here, what you will see is that God the Father is displayed, is described as, in the first place, the Creator, the one through whom all things were created, 
but at the same time, he's also described as the Father. And those two qualities of God, uh, in other words, God being omnipotent, all-powerful, the Creator God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one that spoke the worlds into existence, that same God is also close and is also intimate. And it's important for us to understand um, who God is, both as God powerful, God intimate, because um, that understanding of God really has an impact upon how we view ourselves, how we view the challenges that we go through, and how we view the world around us as well. So God omnipotent, God the creator, made us for a purpose, made us for a reason. And so the implication of that is that wherever you are today, and whatever setting you find yourself, whatever your race, your ethnicity, rather, because we're all the human race, whatever your, your ethnic or your cultural background is, whatever your gender might be, whatever your spiritual background, your uh, academic, your career background, whatever that might be, God has created you for a purpose. You didn't just happen to, to, to morph into this person that you are today. Um, you're not just some random being that's floating around and at the whim of some cosmic wind that blows you whichever way. Uh, you're not the result of, of random selection. You have been created for a purpose. God has designed you. And you owe it to yourself and to God in the first place to explore that purpose. And, and we, of course, know that the most important purpose is this. That we have been created to be image bearers of God, to reflect God, to reflect His image, who He is. In other words, to represent Him. And that's really what a disciple is, isn't it? So we want to be Christ followers, not a church follower, not a pastor follower, not a shofar Bible school follower. We want to be Christ followers. Why? Because we want to reflect God. And so that is our first purpose. And, and it's, it's important to understand that because here's the thing. If we, if we don't understand that we have meaning and we have beauty and we have value to God because of the fact that He has created us, we will base our self-image and our self-worth upon our works upon our achievements. And we will always try to find meaning and purpose in life outside of the fact that even before I've done anything, even before I've achieved anything, I've got meaning, I've got beauty, I've got value because God created me. Uh, the second aspect of God's character there that's revealed is that not only does God create us, but He creates us in a loving way. So He's not distant. He isn't a God that's, that's this, this clockmaker that sets everything going and now he looks at robots and um, people whom he is manipulating or just wanting to, to get together for a purpose and he just wants the purpose established and doesn't really care about how hurt we are in the process or the sacrifices that we make in the process. No, God is, is intimate and he's involved. But if we, if we simply just worship him as a creator God, we, we can allow this distance between us and God. And we can become, in a, in a sense, um, almost disconnected from our emotions. We can become disconnected from our fears. We, 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 we enter into a relationship with God without true honesty. And remember what Jesus said. Jesus said that the Father is looking for those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. And so it's, a, it's important for you to, to understand that, that the Creator God is also the Father God. Um, but if he were just the Father God that, that didn't have a purpose and didn't have a plan for your life, then he, he could be loving, he could be uh, close, he could be intimate to you, he could want you and welcome you into his life, but, but you wouldn't have a purpose. You wouldn't know that, hey, my, my life right now is more than what I see. Uh, there are 
good works mapped out for me. There are things God has stored up for me. There's provision He has prepared for me. That there is great and beautiful things that's coming. So, so I have a God who's loving, yes, but it's not just loving in a way that, that He empathizes with me or He comes alongside me when, when I'm in a difficult situation. Now He's powerful. So that means that yes, he, he comes alongside me, but he's also able to give me resurrection power. He's also able to give me faith. He's also able to give me hope. He's able to cause me to not just be a victim, but to rise up as someone who's more than a conqueror. And so we, we echo the words of Paul, but for us, there's one God, the Father, God Almighty, God All-Powerful, but God our Father as well. And so what's the implication of this um, for, for, real, for real life. You know, I, in my, my line of work, I, I have to do very often with families. I have to do with, with people um, that, that, that nowadays, um, you know, um, we used to talk about the midlife crisis. You, you hit the midlife crisis and, and, and you would have guys who would be in their, in their 40s, uh, mid 40s, uh, mid 50s, would all of a sudden uh, resign from their work, uh, uh, run away with a secretary, uh, buy a fancy car, plunge the entire family into debt. Why? Because all of a sudden, he's confronted now with questions of meaning. Uh, what's the meaning of my life? Why did I spend uh, the last two or three decades of my life building this company, working at this marriage, and I end up feeling this empty. I end up feeling the way that I'm feeling now. And, and within that that that. Uh, a crisis of meaning, that um, bombardment of thoughts of failure and hopelessness and, and despair, people make crazy decisions because they, they struggle to find a sense of meaning and purpose. What's happening now is that that midlife crisis is starting to hit people at a much younger age. In actual fact, they're talking now about a quarter-life crisis that starts hitting people in their mid-20s, 25, where, where those questions are now bombarding young people at a much earlier age because of the, the power of social media that would say to you that by now you, you should have accomplished this, by now you should have had that wife, you should have had those kids, you should have had that career. And, 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 and guys and, and, and ladies are torn between, I've got, to, I've got to resign from this work I've been working at for the last three years. I need to explore the world. I'm, I must join an NGO. I must change the world. And yet, at the same time, I also want to go up the corporate ladder. And all of these questions of meaning, whether you're 25 or 45 or, or whether you, you're 85, all of these questions impact upon all of us. And, and they really boil down to two questions. Um, who am I? And that's a question of identity. Who am I? And secondly, what have I been created to do? And that's a question of purpose. And, and sometimes we, we fall into the trap of just going along with social media. We go along with uh, pop culture, even within, within church. You know, if you want to sell a book, if you want to make a podcast, if you want to uh, uh, put a post up that really gets a lot of likes, then you need to brand yourself. You need to, to make sure that you... Uh, portray yourself in a, in a certain way so people can buy into that. So people can see something that they will say, oh man, that's awesome. I want to have that. And so very often what happens is we approach God almost like a brand manager. God, help me to, to expand my brand. Help me to improve the brand Heinrich because I want 
the people around me, I want them to see that I'm a good father. I want them to see that I'm a devoted husband. I want them to see that I'm a good leader, that I'm creative, that I'm passionate, that I'm all of these things. And God, if you can just help me to do this, if you can help me to be a better dad, be a better husband, be a better leader, then, then that's my purpose. So God, show me my purpose, but God also help me to be a better me. And we're really putting the cart before the, uh, the horses here. Because, of course, absolutely, following Jesus, loving Jesus does make me a better husband, does make me a better dad, does make me a better leader. You know, I've been married to my wife now for 16 years, and she still inspires me to be the best I can be. Being around and knowing that she loves me, knowing that she believes in me, knowing that she supports me, encourages me to just go for gold in terms of, of seeking God's face and making sure that I hear from God before I make a decision. But you know what? I don't approach God, um, or if I, if I just approach God with sort of this, this foundation saying to him, God, help me to be a better me. I miss out on so much. Because, because God has a purpose and has a plan. And, and sometimes that plan doesn't always line up with my beautiful 10-year plan, <laughs> my, my beautiful 15-year plan. And, and, and we can often find ourselves like Job did where the realities of life come against all of those ideals. And I know that in my own life, I've been confronted with some shattered dreams, some, some dreams which, which I'd worked hard at, some dreams which I thought was absolutely, totally from God, and then they didn't work out the way that I wanted them to work out. And my understanding in that moment of, of God as creator and God as Father really anchored me, really gave me the ability to, to look at these shattered pieces of my, of my dream and to say, but hey, hang on a minute. These things are important to me, but I'm not defined by these things. I haven't been created to, to be held captive by these things. Uh, you know, Job, you know, Job, uh, it is a beautiful story. It's a gut-wrenching story at the same time. I love this about scripture is that the Bible is so brutally honest about all of its heroes. Um, has no need to, to uh, uh, cover the cracks in their character and to portray them in a way that uh, um, make them appear to be perfect. And I find encouragement from that because I can relate to them. And Job was um, probably the most successful person in his, in his, in his time. A massive mansion, a beautiful trophy wife, so to speak, uh, beautiful healthy kids. They were the talk of the town. They were having parties all, all across um, the area and they had just lots of money. Uh, everything they would make for success. Anything, if, if, if he would have a Facebook page, he would have thousands of, of likes. His Instagram would be going off the charts. Everybody would be hanging on Job's lips. The Bible even described him as someone who had tremendous integrity, more integrity than anybody else around him. So not only was he externally successful, he was also internally successful, internally held together. And then a crisis hit, and another crisis, and another crisis. And so, and so Job, the, the husband, became a failure. Job, the, the dad, lost his kids. Job, the successful businessman, sat on the ash heap, having to make the sums that all of it ended up being nothing. And so all of a sudden, Job's identity was challenged. Job's sense of purpose was challenged. Because here's the question, who am I? 
outside of being the dad, outside of being the husband, outside of being a successful businessman. Who am I when all of those things are stripped away and taken away from me? What remains? And for Job, you know what remained for Job? Existential crisis. crisis. He's sitting on that ash heap and this comes out of his, out of his mouth. Job 3 verse 1. It says, after this, after all of this stuff happened to him, you know, if, 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 if I were writing this story, I would, I would say that after this, uh, a hallelujah came forth from Job's mouth. I raised a hallelujah on that ash heap. Wouldn't we all like to do that? <laughs> Wouldn't we all like to do the right thing at the right time? But for Job, you know what came out of his mouth? The Bible says he cursed the day of his birth. It was a massive crisis to him. He looked at his life. Nothing made sense. It's like, God, why was I ever born? What's the use? What's the purpose of all of this? And then God in five gloriously, beautifully written chapters come and invades Job's tragedy, comes and, 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 and has this brutally honest conversation with Job, this loving conversation, but this firm conversation saying to Job, Job, I, the creator of the universe, who put the sun, the moon, and the stars in the sky, who created the strength of the horse and the flight of the eagle, who caused the sun to rise and to set, I am God, Job. I am your God. Did you forget that I'm the creator? I'm not just the one that sits next to you on this ash heap. I'm the creator and I'm powerful. And Job, this rubbish bin, Job, this shattered dream, Job, this cul-de-sac in your life, this is not the end because I am making all things new. And so Job had to know in that moment, not just a loving God, even though they was powerful, comforted him, he also had to know a powerful God, a God that makes all things work together for his good. And the end of Job's days, the Bible says, were filled with days. God restored him. God brought forth new life. And, and this is the, the beauty and the power of the God that we serve. Whether in this life or the next, God makes all things work together for our good. And so I don't know what the meaning of your life right now holds for you. I don't know where you are in terms of feeling, hey, I've got this together. I don't know what, what, what kind of pressure you are under in your, in your career or in your studies or where you are at school or, or whether you're sitting in an old age home today and, and you wonder about the value of your life. And I wanna encourage you to, to invite God in again as the loving Father who cares for you, knows the hairs on your head or the lack of them, who understands your loneliness, who understands the deepest pain of your heart, and yet at the same time is also the God that says, look up to the stars, Abram. Look up to the stars. I know you feel barren right now, but one day your offspring will be more than the stars of the sky and the sand at the seashore. That is the God that, that we serve. I often think of, of Jesus' life, and I, and, and I, I ask myself, if, if Jesus had to live according to what society wanted him to believe true meaning would be derived from, um, would the cross have happened? Uh, there's this, 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 this beautiful scene where this donkey, I want to preach on a donkey one day, um, some beautiful material on just being a donkey that's, that's available. Um, but there's this, this scene, Jesus rides into Jerusalem on this donkey. And as he rides into Jerusalem, Facebook goes ballistic. 
He's trending all over the place. Everybody has got their cell phones out, want to take selfies with Jesus on this donkey because he's the king. He's the Messiah. He's going to overthrow the Roman Empire. He's going to lead in a new dispensation. He is king. And the time is now. We need to do this. Hosanna to the king of David. The son of David, rather. The king of Israel. And here Jesus knew that his purpose wasn't to please man. His purpose wasn't to look good in the eyes of man. His purpose was to be obedient to God. His, his meaning for his life wasn't derived from what people were thinking of him. His meaning was derived from what the Father was thinking of him. He was created for a purpose. And that purpose didn't mean being crowned in the natural. That purpose meant dying on a cross and being crowned forever as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Don't settle, don't sell your birthright that God has given you for the mere opinions of man. Live for the approval of God. And so the, the, um, the qualities and the meaning and implications of God as creator of our lives are numerous and we don't have a lot of time um, left, but I just want to focus on, on three, three aspects that we can just take home when we think about God as creator. The first is that God is the giver of life. Psalm 33 verse, verse 6 to 9 says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. You can read the rest of that verse, but it basically just means that the house of heaven, all the planets, everything we see around us, all the things we are still discovering. I mean, we haven't even plummeted the depths of our own ocean yet. <laughs> There's so much that we still don't know that's out there. God has made all of that and he has breathed life into them. He is the giver of life. And so that means that my life does not belong to me. And that means that your life does not belong to you. It means that I don't have the final say over my life. And you don't have the final say over your life. God does. And so, so all that we are required to do is to steward this life that God has given us. And so it, it has implications for, my, for the way I treat my body. It's got implications for what I eat, how much I sleep, how I exercise, when I exercise. It's got implications for the boundaries and the personal space around me and how I allow other people to treat me because my life isn't my own. It belongs to God and I need to treasure this life. It also has implications for the way I treat those around me that they're not puppets in my life. My kids don't belong to me. My wife doesn't belong to me. The pastors that work with me, they don't belong to me. They belong to God. You as congregation members, Bible school students, you don't belong to me. You belong to God. And so the people that work for you, they don't belong to you. Those that work in your home for you, they don't belong to you. They belong to God. Because they belong to God, we've got to be careful about how we treat them. And so God is the giver of life. It's got implications for how I treat myself. It's got implications for how I treat you. And the response to the creator God, the life giver God, is worship. And worship comes out in our songs, comes out in, in, in when we sing loudly to God, when we worship Him without tears, but it also comes out in how we live, which is also worship. Secondly, God is not only the creator God that gives us life. He's also the creator God that has this ability to determine our purpose. Psalm 139 verse 15 to 16. David writes this beautiful psalm. It's, it's worthwhile reading the entire psalm. I just want to read these two verses. My frame, my body was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven. If you underline your Bible or highlight in your, in your Bible app, you can Underline or highlight the word intricately. 
intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. So our lives are not meaningless. Our lives are not arbitrary. It, it means that, that God is intimately involved in the chromosomes that came together, the DNA pool that was used to form and shape your life. God was intimately involved there. I've got three beautiful children. I thank God for them. And I remember the different times when I, I, I heard uh, the beating of that first heartbeat. It's, it, it's still one of the most amazing moments of my life. The first moment I, I held them in my arms, the, the first moment I, I looked into their eyes and there was a response. It's a moment that really just tore me up inside. I, I, I never knew I could love anything outside of myself that much. But you know what? I, I had glimpses every, every few weeks or couple of months of sonar, a 3D scan, a 4D scan, or whatever. I had glimpses into that life that was being created there inside my, my wife's womb the first time that I, I held our, our eldest son. But you know what? God didn't just have glimpses of us. Didn't just zoom in and then zoom out again. He was intimately, intricately, 100% present during the entire process of our formation every step of the way, and he's still involved. And he has created us, not just in the sense of putting us together, but he put us together, and then he put good works together for us. As David says here, before any one of my days were, were ever uh, manifested, you had written them for me. And Moses in Psalm 90 prays this amazing prayer. I want to encourage you to, to pray this prayer daily. He says, God, teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. In other words, God, teach me to value my day. Teach me to find the meaning and the purpose of this day. Teach me to treasure this day because you've created me and you've created days. And through your Holy Spirit, you bring in what you've placed inside of me and what this day needs and what this day has uh, available for me. You bring that together. So God is the creator God. He's the God that gives life. God is the creator God. He's the God that gives purpose to our lives. And God is the creator God who brings order out of chaos. Genesis 1 verse 1 to 5 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And so the picture that we get there is that there was creation. There was something that existed already and God had, 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 had created. But in the process of creation, there was a lot still. There was without form, was, uh, the deep they speak of, of chaos. It was, it was chaotic. There were things there that, that didn't have purpose and didn't have meaning. And it, it was chaotic in other words. And God was drawn to that chaos and God brought forth beauty out of that. And that's still the way that God intervenes in our lives, still the way that He walks with us. That, you know, uh, all of creation really, if, if you look even at the laws of thermodynamics, says that everything decays. You can, you can have something that is beautiful and, and, and structured, but over time, it decays. Uh, if you were to move out of your house now and, and, and leave it and come back five years down the line, you would see some other stuff would have moved in there, be it insects and, and cobwebs or maybe even some random people that it would have moved in there. Things decay. Our physical bodies decay. 
everything decays. And yet God didn't just leave this world into a perpetual state of decay. He's constantly intervening, constantly understanding that our lives become broken. Our families and our communities, they disintegrate. They, they go through trauma. And God, from time to time, intervenes, constant, present, there, alongside us to help us, to come next to us. And God wants us to know this, wants you to know this, that if there are things in your life that at one stage you, you could see how this would play out. You, you had made the sums, you had made the calculations, you, you, you were in control, so to speak, and now it's, it's chaotic. You don't, maybe you live in a country that feels chaotic. You live in a community that feels chaotic. You, maybe your school is a chaotic place and, and uh, uh, maybe the, the place where you're working, you, you don't see just God, what's the purpose? What's the plan here? Rest assured that God is the creator God. He brings forth order out of chaos. As he created the heavens and the earth out of chaos, brought forth something so beautiful so that at the end of the seven days, he said, the end of the six days, this is beautiful. It's, it's beautiful. It is perfect. This is very good. He still has that same power at work in you. And so Jesus came as the greatest sign of God's intervention, entered the chaos of the Israelites' lives, entered their oppression, entered their abuse, entered their poverty, entered their, their hopelessness. And the cross stands as that intervention, stands as that symbol, that sign that God brings forth beauty out of chaos. So God is busy doing that right now for you and for me. But you know what? One day, God will complete that work of bringing forth beauty out of chaos. One day, God will complete that process of making all things new. And, and this is where we want to get to our, our key Bible passage because it's such a beautiful one. It's, it's, we started off in Genesis 1 and we said that God created the heavens and the earth. He zoomed in on earth and there was chaos and he brought forth beauty. Jesus came, entered our chaotic lives, bringing forth beauty in us. But one day the story ends with this amazing promise that he will recreate everything. It's such a beautiful passage that I, I want to read it for us. Take 10 minutes to reflect on and discuss this session's key Bible passage together with others in your class. If you are watching on your own, take a few minutes to reflect on the key Bible passage by yourself. Revelation 21 verse, verse 1 to 7. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of life without payment, water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. And again here we see God as both creator and his father. He is the beginning and he is the end. The, the first earth and the first heaven with all of its pain, all of its heartache, all of its disappointment, 
um, all of its all, all of the evil, all of the, the disconnectedness and the destruction that is that is taking place, all of the questions that we have, all of that will be renewed. It passes away. Everything is made new. New heaven, new earth. The 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 restoration or the recreation, so to speak, is so tremendous, so complete that the surface amongst us, shucks guys, there will be no more sea. It says that the sea will disappear and that the deep, the, the sea symbolic, uh, it's just a symbolic picture that refers to tumult, political chaos and strife, relational chaos and strife, relational chaos between husbands and wives, brothers and brothers, uh, uh, relational strife even within us ourselves, between who I know I can be and who I'm not. Turmoil will disappear. God will create a place without turmoil, absolute and complete peace. And not only does he recreate and bring everything back to the way that he wanted it to be, he also comes as the ultimate father. In other words, he removes every obstacle, every lie, every barrier, everything that has created distance between us and his father heart, all of that is removed. All of that is removed and is brought back together again. We know God the way that he knows us and we trust him implicitly. And so God is the creator. God creates new heaven and new earth, but he also completes the creation of a new relationship. A father, fully ours, and he comes and he dwells amongst man. God dwells amongst man completely. And the Bible says, I will be his father and he will be my son. And so we see that this picture of God the creator, God the father is the creator, and God the father is the father. It's the final, most beautiful picture that the Bible ends on and says that this is our hope. And I'm gonna encourage you with this, that in your revelation of God, the Father as the Creator and God the Father as the Father, you're always on this journey. Ask the Holy Spirit for more. Don't settle for your revelation of the creative power of God for what you know. Ask Him for a greater revelation. Ask Him to show you great and mighty things because He says, show me, ask me, and I will show you great and terrible things that you know not. Challenge your own faith to trust God for impossible things again. And if your faith has been, has been hurt in, in an area, bring that to God and, and, and bring that trust back to God. And, and we will have some application questions for you at the end where you can really just spend some time meditating and praying into just who God is as creator and who God is as Father. But be encouraged that the Holy Spirit wants to lead you deeper into this revelation that can be so powerful in your life. Now, I've, I've spoken about revelation, just a very quick word on revelation. Revelation can really get your mind spinning, all right? Um, um, G.K. Chesterton said this, um, and though St. John saw many strange monsters in Revelation, in his vision, he saw no creature so wild as one of his own commentators. Last, remember this, that within Revelation, even though it seems strange, there's nothing really strange as far as Scripture is concerned. All of Revelation builds upon all the rest of Scripture. So even if you were to read that passage again, um, and we've, we've included their Revelation uh, 21 verse 1 to, to 7. Again for you, just from the HCSB, um, you will see a lot of references to other portions of Scripture. And what you will see there is there's nothing new in Revelation um, for the most part. Everything just builds upon Scripture. So rest assured, read Revelation, right? Don't steer away from it. It's a beautiful book. And uh, get a good uh, uh, study Bible, a good reference Bible. It will just help you to really uh, sink your teeth into revelation. And as you read it, ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, show me Jesus in all of this. 
God the Father is God the Creator. He loves you. He knows about you. He isn't finished with your life. And the best is yet to come because God is in control, not just of the universe, but also of your destiny. The Lord bless you. Enjoy the discussion questions. I look forward to seeing you again in the next session. Thank you for your time. Blessings. Take 15 minutes to reflect on and discuss the following points together with others in the class. If you are watching on your own, take a few minutes to reflect on the points by yourself. You can find the discussion points in your Bible School Handbook. Look out for the Living the Word sections in each session.